They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily. When I was about 10, I went to something called Stonely. Does anyone remember Stonely? Yeah, yeah, okay, a few hands, yeah. I don't really remember much of it. But as a 10-year-old, I do remember being quite overwhelmed by the group of people that were around me, sitting in the kids' work, uh, standing in the kids' work, and seeing these um, people just going for it, in the, going, just going after God, pursuing him, loving him, worshipping him. And I can remember, as a 10-year-old, being quite overwhelmed, being in that size of a, of a room. Um, and I thought, oh gosh, I really don't fit in here. Like, I'm, I'm a bit of an introvert, really. I find it quite daunting to be around masses of people. And I thought, um, Lord, just let me get through this, this time. <laughs> and, um, and then the Spirit started to move on the room. The Holy Spirit started to move in the room. And people were quite obviously, quite tangibly meeting with God. And I thought, this is amazing. This is great. But Lord... As, as, people were, as people were encountering the Spirit, just more and more children were just lying on the floor. And I just thought, um, I thought, oh gosh, it's going to get to me. I'm not really feeling this. I'm not really feeling this. And so I thought I'd do what any um, kind of self-conscious 10-year-old would do. I'd, just, I'd lie down and fall asleep. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, it's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? I don't think you're meant to confess to stuff like that. But I was 10, so give me, give me grace. Um, it's amazing what we do, isn't it, when we feel uncomfortable. And I don't know about you, but maybe this evening you've come into church for the first time and you're thinking, what is this? This is my first experience at church. I just want to say you're really, really welcome. Um, it's, it's, it's different. <laughs> we get that. It's, it's, not, uh, it, it's, it's not what you might experience outside of this building. But I want to just encourage you this evening that that is the beauty of the church. I'm going to talk about community. We're going to talk about the beauty of biblical community. You see, right at the start of Genesis, we see that God intended us for community. He said to Adam, he said, it's not good. He's just finished naming the animals. He said, it's not good for you to be alone. It's not good for you to be in isolation. He intended us for community. And yet we find ourselves, like I just said before, in a place where we've been enforced isolation away from each other and it's tempting I think for us to stay in that place to stay in that place of distant hearts distant minds distant um, affections for one another I think there's a temptation there and I just want to hopefully this evening we can encourage us to just love one another and be devoted to one another I definitely found a need for face-to-face -face community, and we know it's important. Companies, the other day I was walking into a shop, remained nameless, and on the door it said, belonging is everything. And I thought, I've just come for milk. I've just come for milk. But companies love, you know, I worked in advertising for a number of years, and companies love to try and identify with their customers. They love to try and go, you know, yeah, I know you're here for milk, but actually, 
community. You know, we know you love community, and every community needs milk. I guess every church community needs milk, doesn't it, for their teas? But there's a longing built into us for connection. God models it in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We see a value of community with Adam's need and God's provision of a sustainer. And Abby, my wife, loves to remind me that, um, that, that Eve came to rescue Adam. She says, I'm here to rescue you, James. And I go, well, yeah, you are. You are. Every day. We see it in Israel, God's chosen nation. A collective expression of faith as a nation of uh, uh, God's own nation. We see it uh, displayed in the tabernacle. We see the great high priest who would once go in once every year to atone for the sins of Israel, the collective sins of Israel. We see it at the altar of incense in that tabernacle of the 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The collective prayers of Israel that would rise to God and please God. We see it with Jesus and the twelve, a community of apprentices. We see it in Acts in the early church. We've just read about devoted to one another. God seems to use community as a way of bringing about his purposes. And this is what I'm, this is what I'm just, so, just so on my heart at the moment. That in my experience that God, that community is part of God's redemptive purpose for my life. Redemptive purpose for our collective community. And the redemptive purpose for this world. That community, that this community, that God's community, church communities, is part of the redemptive purpose and plan for this world. And what do I mean by that? I think there's something in the process of discipleship, which is just learning to follow Jesus, fancy word for learning to follow Jesus, that only happens in the context of community and friendships and with one another. Has that been your experience? Would anyone go, would anyone go, yeah, I've just, I, can, I can associate with that, that in, in community I've felt known by others and known by God through the love of others. It's been said that the Bible is a love story, a divine love story. And it is that. The Bible is a love story of God's devotion to us and his desire to be in community with us despite our rebellion. devotion to us and devotion to one another they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer devoted to one another in this book um actually this is just a point i think it's really important to mention that that devotion is not a is, is not a word which is reluctant you know it's not it's not like commitment which could almost be duty devotion is affection you will, this is from a book, Authentic Relationships. I'd really recommend this. It's really good. Um, <laughs> you will not find the word commitment anywhere in the New Testament. And you will only find the word commit when it encourages us to not commit adultery or acts of wickedness. The word translated devoted in this passage, Acts 42, is a relational word that speaks of having kindly affection for others. When we substitute something like commitment for affection, we mistake the shadow for the reality. And as we experience God's affection for us, we will find ourselves having affection in our hearts for others. And I think that's exactly what we see here in Acts 42. They devoted themselves. They went to temple together. We read about that in... um, 
46, every day they continued to meet meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They devoted themselves to one another. Devotion is proactive, intentional. In fact, the, the, the Greek word used in this, in this passage for fellowship is, is the word koinonia. And there's no exact translation into English, um, but it could probably be summed up as an active participation in a community with all, and I've underlined that, all things in common. Every spiritual blessing and every material blessing, koinonia. It's almost... Uh, it's a, it, fellowship's a bit of a Christian word, isn't it? It comes with a bit of baggage, doesn't it? But koinonia is just devotion to one another. Other contexts in 1 Thessalonians 5, encourages, encourage one another, koinonia. Colossians 3.16, admonish one another. James 5.16, confess your sins to one another. And Romans 14.1, accept one another. We're so dependent on one another. Are you starting to understand the, the beauty and the richness of community in God's biblical community of loving one another? Thank you, Lord. I can think of, um, there's this, um, a number of years ago before COVID, um, Abby and I had, uh, before we had Noah as well, she was born, wow, yeah, um, Noah's our daughter, and um, uh, we went on a canal boat holiday with some really, really close friends. And we got into this canal boat, and it's a massive thing, really. And you think, how on earth am I going to sneer this through the canals? But um, we did it. We became pros. Um, and we went on a holiday with uh, some really good close friends of ours, um, Sarah and Alex. And in fact, we're seeing them in a few weeks for the first time in three years. I can't wait. Um, but I don't know if I told you that. But... Um, even with your closest friends, being in a canal boat, you get to know each other very, very well. You get to know each other's daily rhythms, put it like that. Uh, you get to know each other's um, uh, faults. You get to know each other's characters. You get to know each other's, uh, what each other love. You get to know each other. You get to, in fact, we were playing, have anyone played Settlers of Catan? Yeah, it's a great game, recommend. And um, you get to know what bugs each other when you play Settlers of Catan. I can tell you that. Alex didn't speak to me for a day. <laughs> you, the good, the bad, and the ugly, you kind of experience that when you're in a confined space like that. Koinonia is a devotion to one another. It mirrors God's affection, God the Father's affection for us, and Jesus' heart of compassion for those in need. And what I meant by talking about that story of being on the canal boat is... When we're in, devoted to one another in community, we get, to, we get to see the good, the great, the possible, the hope, the future, beyond the now in one another. We get to see the, um, the, the bad stuff. We get to see the things which in each of us is not in alignment with what God would have for us. And we get to see the ugly stuff too. We get to see that. And it's, I'm convinced it's, it's part of the process of discipleship. Convinced of it. There's, not, there's been a time where I haven't really valued uh, God's bride, the church. There's been a times where I've um, undervalued it. There's been times where I've been frustrated with it. There's been times where I've been hurt by it. There's been times where I've been thinking, is this really it? 
is this, is this the hope of the world? Is this what's meant to be an attractional place for people to come into? And yet it's the place where we can be known. And it offers something that the world does not offer. You don't see this type of community anywhere else in the world. It counters a me-first way of thinking, countercultural. I think it's a remedy for our isolated culture. God's church unites us. Galatians 3.28, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, all are one in Jesus. Father God, I just pray, um, I just pray that that, even for me, just brings up so much, um, uh, there's, there's, there's so much hope then, there's also so much disappointment. I thank you, Lord, that, that, there, is no, that, that there is no distinction between, between us in, in your church, that we are, we are to love one another, we're devoted to one another, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. All are one in you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lawyers, carpenters, accountants, pharmacists, fishermen, tax collectors, all are one in the body of Christ. And we're all on a shared journey of discipleship. Let's look at um, Acts 2, 44 to 46. It says this. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and good, they gave to anyone as he had need. I called this um, uh, little little thought, um, it takes a village. Um, because I think that um, we all have different giftings, don't we? We all have things that God's given us that he hasn't given others in this room. He's given some of us a heart for theology. I'm thinking, Maggie, he's given you a... Uh, I'm picking up Maggie because I know Maggie from small group. But Maggie is the probably the most well-read person I have ever encountered. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's others in this room who are musicians there's others in this room who make with their hands during the week as, as carpenters there's others in this room who have a desire for the lost who, who help people who are lost help people in addiction there are, there's so much there's so much represented in this room but this, Acts 2, 40, 40, 46, is talking about they, the believers had all things in common and then talking in the context of possessions. But the fact that each other's needs were known, I think, says something about the sort of community that they were fostering, the sort of community that they were, they were going after, that all needs were known. And we get this in um, great, um, this book. I've only read a short bit of it, but... Oh, is that a parking ticket? Um, <laughs> uh, but, um, I only read a short bit of this, but I didn't know this. But we get the, host, the word hospitality from the same root word as hospital. Did you know that? Community acts as a hospital bed. We may enter a Christian community weary, isolated by our sin. You may be here this evening thinking, I do not belong here. There's something going on in my life that is isolating me. I want to say to you that you're welcome here. 
we may be isolated by the sins of others aimed towards us. A biblical community following Jesus gives rest. It gives rest. It's where we are totally accepted, seen and known, not in the negative light that we may see ourselves, but as Christ sees us. And so when we talk about sharing our lives with one another and we talk about the different giftings we've got, we've got people in this room who are able to speak into our lives in ways, with permission, in ways which um, can drastically help us. Friendships become the front line in a war against the enemy's hold on us. Dining rooms become operating tables that treat our wounded hearts. Laughter becomes a form of medicine. I'm just reminded of Zacchaeus, tax collector, the short guy. It's funny that they thought it was really important to say he was short. I think anyone who could climb a tree, but he, he, he was desperate to see Jesus, so he thought, I'm going to climb this tree. And, um, and everyone despised tax collectors. Everyone despised tax collectors. They were seen as traitors. But Jesus, seeing Zacchaeus in the tree, walks over and invites himself for dinner at his house. Imagine that. Imagine having Jesus at your dinner table. See, I think what Jesus did in that moment is he, he rejected the idea of what, um, of what society said about Zacchaeus and said, I'm, I'm, I'm going after what I see in Zacchaeus, what I see in him. I'm going after the hope which lies in him in the, in, in, ahead of Zacchaeus' present. Do you understand what I'm saying? Biblical community, koinonia, is a place where we discover our true identity in Christ, our value. There's opportunity for openness. An invitation on our terms for others to help us. True forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. Just um, John 13, where Jesus, uh, John 13, 7, where Jesus is... um, he is washing the disciples' feet. And, G- and Peter says, you know, you're not going to wash mine. You're the son of man, Messiah. Like, you're too, this, that is not, that's too lowly a task for you to do. And he says, no, Peter. He rebukes Peter. He says, no, unless I wash your feet, you will have no place in my kingdom. And then he goes on to say, and now you will wash each other's feet. There is quite a, uh, Jesus is saying is there's an active role that we're to take in the lives of each other in this room to help each other, to wash each other's feet, to be servants to one another, to, to, um, to help each other become more like Christ, to more the finished work that we would be. takes a lot of guts to do that, doesn't it? I think. I think it takes a lot of guts to um, to do that. Maybe somebody here today has been hurt by, by doing that in the past, by opening themselves up to, to um, others. Maybe there's been harsh words said to you. Um, sorry for that. Jesus, thank you, Lord, that, that um, 
that you see the true uh, potential in each one of us. I thank you, Jesus, that you, um, you accept us despite the, the, the baggage, the mess that we, that we bring, that in this community we can be known. Father, I want to pray, would you restore any hearts right now that feel like they are, um, like that has been a painful place for them, to be vulnerable, to be open. To I just pray, God, that you would restore that And I pray, Holy Spirit, bring healing. I thank you, Lord, that you're, this is truly um, community like no other. Secondly, um, at the end in verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. saved. The Lord added to their number daily I think this was way, well, it definitely was, it was way before church growth strategies. <laughs> and church online and all of these things, ways that, of people engaging with church. If only we could do this, if only we could do that, we would, we would truly reach out there and, and, uh, and, and new ground, take new ground. And I, I think there's great tools that we can use to, to connect people with Jesus, to connect people with the church. There is great tools to be used and will be discovered. But this is way before smoke machines and uh, flashing lights. There's nothing fancy here. It's just true community in devotion of pursuing God and in devotion devoted to one another. There's nothing fancy. Nothing fancy at all. Do I think doing stuff uh, well helps? Yes. I do. I think Psalm 33 is placed skillfully for the Lord. I get that. We're to sow into our giftings with our time and money for the sake of uh, building one another up and uh, edifying one another. We are to invest into the church and do things well. I get that. But I think what I've been struck um, through COVID is that <clears throat> with all the opportunity of church online and the incredible benefits and being able to just tune into Hillsong every single week, um, if you wanted to, um, and this is no criticism of them. They're, they're running their, they're walking their journey. But I've, I've been struck by, I think, what we win people with is what we win people to. I want to be, I want to be, I want to be in a community that loves people so, uh, or is devoted to each other so um, consistently and passionately that, that it, um, that when people are one to it, they're one into, into, community, they're wanting to being known, they're wanting to near. they're wanting to into Jesus's accepting and loving community. Amen? Jesus calls us, he just calls us to love him, to love God, and to love others. And I believe he does the rest. So maybe tonight, uh, you feel like I did at that Christian conference. Um, maybe you feel a little bit out of place. You might feel like a bit of an imposter this evening and I'd say to you that Jesus loves you and that we love you Jesus loves you and we love you Jesus satisfied God's requirement of justice for our sin our hatred our wrongdoing all the stuff we hide all the stuff that our shame is satisfied through his death on the cross through his resurrection um, three days later
and he's alive and now at the heart of this community through the Holy Spirit. We'd love to journey with you and we'd love your help as we too journey in faith. No one here has it all together. Or perhaps you've been an apprentice of Jesus for a long time. Perhaps you, you feel like, I've heard this preach before. <laughs> I've heard this message before. I've heard it all before. Or perhaps you've maybe just grown tired. It happens. I'd like to encourage you that there is such an incredible role for you in the community of, of, of the church. I was thinking um, of this uh, when I, uh, a couple of years ago, this chap came up to me and he said, James, I, I don't know what I can do in church anymore. I don't know what I can uh, do to be useful, to, to help. Like it just, I, I can't, if it's too modern, I can't do this stuff. I, th- I think he was from a time of OHPs. Um, and um, what can I do? And I was so grieved in that moment thinking, I'm so sorry that you feel like you, you don't have a place in this community because you can't do something. And I was also grieved because I felt, is that what we're creating? Is that what we're fostering amongst us? Where we're, we're fostering a place where people only feel, feel valuable if they do something. And so I said, well, actually, I, I, we don't need you to do. We just need you to be. I, I need you. I said, I, I said, I need you to be um, the, the follower of Jesus that's, that's 10, 15, 20 years ahead of me. I need you to be a wise example. I need you to be compassionate. And I need you to be a soft place when I fall. We need that, don't we? So if you're feeling like you've been here, done that, got the T-shirt, I'd say that actually you have an incredible role to play in building others up around you, in, in loving people as Jesus loves us, in, 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 showing us, in showing young Christians the way of prayer, of devotion, of sacrifice, of um, the spiritual disciplines, getting into the word. You have a huge role to play in coming alongside others and building them up, one anothering each other. I'm going to end with this. As we are accepted, we are healed. As we are healed, we are established in the faith. And as we are established in faith, so we look to others for example. And as we've been shown, we show others. And we just repeat that. And our life is just a repetition of that process. As we surrender more of our lives to him. And we devote ourselves to each other.